we not do our hey everybody we're live okay let's hop right into it hop right in hop no, right in we're over it we're over that hop right in um isaac is born genesis chapter 21 verse 1 then the lord took note of sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age very interesting a lot going on here um, we see here that god um, ultimately fulfills the promise he made in genesis chapter 18 to give a son to abraham through his wife sarah abraham ultimately calls this son isaac as god commanded him to do And if you, um, Isaac, you know, actually means laughter, which is very fitting for a couple of reasons. One is uh, because obviously Isaac has given them a lot of joy. And if you've ever had that moment where you've had so much joy that you've laughed out loud, then you'll know what I'm talking about here. But on that, Abraham <laughs> and Sarah both laughed when they found out this was going to ultimately happen to them, that they were going to be born a son especially in their old age abraham laughed with almost seems like more enthusiasm or anticipation of this gift whereas sarah laughed in a bit of a skeptical doubtful sarcastic way in which god wasn't a huge fan of that type of laughter um not only that we see abraham circumcising isaac which God also commanded him to do on the eighth day. So Abraham, at this point, he's two for two, uh, nails down the name and also nails down the circumcision. And the circumcision is, I'm sorry, not the circumcision. And the birth of Isaac is actually obviously a miracle, right? You have Abraham, who's 100 years old. You have Sarah, who, based on previous chapters, we know is about 90 years old. So we got a grandma and a grandpa. <laughs> First off, we can't call them grandmas and grandpas technically because they don't have sons or grandsons. Okay, so, but I mean, we got some older people having kids here. Okay, that'd be like your 80 year old grandma giving birth to a newborn baby. Uh, that would be, 
you know, biologically, Sarah is past the age of conception is the, is what we've learned in previous chapters as well. So we definitely have a, a miracle situation going on here. Um, thoughts, Justin? Well, you stole everything I was going to say. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let me read one yeah, more. So, no, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, this is a ch- chapter that kind of we're, we're Abraham and Sarah are on a, are on a high note. I think you, you already kind of uh, referenced that. So, you know, they, they responded in faith with the name and the circumcision. So they're, they're following um, their, their obedience is seen in this chapter. Absolutely. Um, which is a, which is a nice, um, nice thing to see. Of course, I'm always excited whenever you see that type of obedience in the Bible. Let me, t- let me, t- let's tackle verse eight real quick. I'll read that and then we'll move on to the next section. You'll take over the next section. Ch- verse eight, chapter 21, verse eight, the child grew and was weaned and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. So weaning obviously is a moment in which the child no longer is supported by her, her his mother with regards to food but can now essentially eat on his own, uh, basically eat solid food. And it's my understanding that whenever a child was weaned, this was a good indication that, you know, maybe he was around two or three years old at this point, And he had a much larger chance of surviving, which back in the day um they didn't have all these hospitals you could go to and which now increases uh survivability rate of these infants back then it is understood that the mortality rate of infants was higher and so obviously you you would celebrate a great feast right knowing that your child's reached this next age that's past this kind of high more higher likelihood of infant mortality once he's reached past that you're like man there's a good chance he's going to grow up to be a full-grown adult of course abraham and sarah already know that know this but this is really their pride and joy right this is their only child that they've been waiting on forever okay this is the only child together that is between abraham and sarah you know abraham obviously has another child with hagar which is Ishmael, which we're going to talk about in a second. Any other thoughts? No, you nailed it. All right. Well, I'm going to shit up so you can talk (laughs) for the rest of the time. Okay. All right. Starting off in verse nine. Now, Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, mocking. Therefore, she said to Abraham, drive out this maid and her son. For the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her. For through Isaac your descendants shall be named. And the son of the maid I will make a nation also because he is your descendant. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder and gave her the boy and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. So in this uh, paragraph, 
we have uh, Sarah, or sorry, uh, we see that Ishmael, Ishmael uh, ends up mocking Isaac, and that makes Sarah very mad. And so Sarah says, you know, get, get rid of Hagar and, and Ishmael. And so then that upsets Abraham, but uh, Abraham prays to God, or um, Abraham received guidance from God on this issue, and that God told him that, hey, uh, do what, you know, Sarah said. And so he got them ready, and uh, or then God reaffirmed the promise uh, that he would bless uh, Ishmael and make him a great nation because he's the descendant of Abraham's. And so um, now we see Abraham sending off Hagar, giving them water and food, and sending off Hagar and Ishmael uh, into the wilderness. So this is tough. Um, I believe that Ishmael was around 16 or 17 years old at this time. And something that I think we see here that Abraham did right, like I said, this is more of an Abraham doing good in this chapter. Um, so Sarah had said, hey, drive, drive them out of here. And then this upset Abraham. But he waited to hear from God. He heard from God before acting on what Sarah said, right? He waited on God and God confirmed. And so this is a big difference uh, from the last time Sarah said, well, why don't you marry my, my maid and have a child through her? You know, Abraham didn't wait on God for, for guidance in that situation. He just, he just pulled the trigger on that deal. And so, and that got him, you know, that, that caused problems. And so here he, he waits on, you know, he waits on God before just pulling the trigger on this. And so, um, but you know, this is, this is sad for uh, Hagar and Ishmael. Um, and then we'll, we'll find out more in the next paragraph about well, what happens to them and kind of uh, what God, uh, God's response to all this. Yeah. You nailed it. Yeah, this is kind of a uh, distressing situation. I think we see a, a situation in which we have two wives with one husband. Uh, you can see some of the challenges that can pop up due to polygamy. There seems to be some competition here between the two wives, and um, not everybody's getting along. Who would have expected that? Um, <laughs> I think everybody would have expected that. I just think this is a good opportunity to see that um, well, you know, we'll see polygamy elsewhere in the Bible, but everywhere that I've seen polygamy in the Bible, it just doesn't turn out well. It's just not something that is creates a positive situation. So seems to be a good indication that, you know, like it says in the New Testament, if you want to be a leader within the church, then you it's better to have uh, be a man of one wife. Um, yeah. Also, um, Abraham is clearly distressed here, as you mentioned, but God tells Abraham to listen to Sarah. 
So do and to, to basically do as she tells you. Abraham clearly loves Ishmael. Okay, there's no question about that. He's this is his son. He's not happy about the situation, but uh, God's leading the ship here. You want to tackle first fifteen as well? Yeah, let's see. Uh, yes, so starting off in verse 15, when the water in the skin was used up, she left the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him about a bow shot away. For she said, do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him, lifted up her voice and wept. God heard the lad crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter with you, Hagar? Do you not fear? For God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. God was with the lad, and he grew, and he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So we see here um, that when, when Hagar and Ishmael had left, at some point in the wilderness, their water ran out. Obviously, this is a distressing situation. Ishmael and Hagar are both in a, a, a desperate circumstances. Hagar is crying. God shows up and, and comforts her, lets her know, hey, I am going to make a, a great nation out of the boy. Y'all are not going to die here uh, in the wilderness. And so then we see that God does get them through it because Hagar ends up finding, or God reveals a, a well of water to Hagar so her and Ishmael can drink. And then Hagar ends up uh, finding a wife for Ishmael later on in uh, Egypt or from Egypt. And so, one of the things here, this is the second time that God has met Hagar in, in the desert and comforted her, right? So the first time we see while she was pregnant with Ishmael that Sarah was being harsh to her. And so she got upset and ran out in the wilderness and God comforted her, told her to go back. And so God comforts her again here as well, um, just reaffirming to her what he's going to do through her son and he did take care of both of them obviously um they lived they, they went on after this and uh she got married and 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 so we do know that he became a great nation i would add here this is a pretty stressful situation for hagar um she's literally walking out into the wilderness Think about that for a second. This isn't like walking out in the United States somewhere where you're, you know, walking from one town to another town. This is a land in which Abraham is constantly having to lie about his wife actually being his sister over being killed, right? Or if he doesn't do this, he believes he'll be killed. If he doesn't lie that Sarah is in fact his wife, Instead of his sister, if he tells people the truth, he's worried he's going to get killed. That's a pretty out. That's that's a land in which you feel a little bit uncomfortable, right? And you got a mom and a child literally going off into the wilderness. Now, 
how could a father and a husband possibly do this? Because, you know, unless God is in regular communication with Abraham and God doesn't tell him otherwise, Abraham's essentially sending them to their death. I do want to point out a, okay, I do want to point out a verse here, verse verse 13. This is God speaking to Abraham. And of the son of the maid, I will make a nation also because he is your descendant. So Abraham is first told by God to specifically send, to, to listen to Sarah and to send Hagar and Ishmael out from their presence. So, and if you, if you, we look and see what Abraham, when he's not followed God's path, it's usually resulted in a challenging, very challenging situation. And so Abraham seems to be relying upon God a little bit more. Not only that, he just had a son, right? So he has, you know, he had a miraculous son. So he has a lot of confirmation that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. After waiting for who knows how many years, I mean, decades. And so Abraham has a lot of confidence that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. And Abraham knows that Ishmael will become a great nation because God said he would become a great nation. So he's sending them off with some level of confidence only because God gave him that confidence in verse 13 of this chapter. Otherwise, I think it's quite clear that Abraham would know that he's sending them to their death without this verse. Um, and then, you, have, of course, you have Hagar and Ishmael going out into the wilderness, and that could only feel like a very um, unpleasant situation. You know, they would they would definitely be worried uh, being all alone and running out of water. Um, this is a this is a really kind of sad moment, I think, as well. Depending on the you know, depending on how you look at this. So I don't know. I'm ex I I do um God can, sometimes calls you to do tough things. And I think Abraham has a track record with God to this point to where he makes this tough decision knowing that God's going to ultimately make it all well. And this is likely the last time Abraham ever saw Hagar and Ishmael, right? This is it. This is when the relationship really ends. So kind of a sad moment, but God didn't tell Abraham to marry Hagar to begin with. Okay, this isn't really on God. This is on Abraham and Sarah who concocted this plan to for them to have a kid outside of the expected promise that God had already given them. So Abraham kind of took things into his own hands and kind of this is this is God rectifying a, a situation that Abraham and Sarah caused. And it's not like it's not like Hagar doesn't get anything out of this, right? Her son gets to become a great nation. I mean, that's a really big deal. You know, having descendants in this time was the biggest deal in the world. And so obviously Abraham and Sarah are extremely distressed about not having descendants for years. 
and it really was a success of a wife to have uh, many kids, uh, kids and grandkids. We know that Ishmael ends up being the father of 12 princes. All right. Yeah, I, I appreciate all the things you said. And I think that we do see God's kind of uh, grace and love when he reaffirmed to Hagar that she would that he would make her son a great nation. And, and like you said, that would be a huge deal. Uh, for her that, that would give her a lot of hope and comfort so yeah verse 22 covenant with abimelech now it came about at that time that abimelech and pickal the commander of his army spoke to abraham saying god is with you in all that you do now therefore swear to me here by god that you will not deal falsely with me or with my offspring, or with my posterity, but according to the kindness that I have shown to you, you shall show to me and to the land in which you have sojourned. Abraham said, I swear it. But Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the well of water which the servants of Abimelech had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing, you did not tell me, nor did I hear of it until today. Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. Then Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What do these seven ewe lambs mean, which you have set by themselves? He said, You shall take these seven ewe lambs, from my hand so that it may be a witness to me that I dug this well. Therefore, he called the place Beersheba because there the two of them took an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba and Abimelech and Pichol, the commander of his army, arose and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a Tamarisk tree at Beersheba and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines for many days. So, a couple quick things to point out here. Abraham is gaining so much wealth, it appears, and so much success by God that you find Abimelech and his and the commander of his army wanting to engage in a a treaty with them, essentially, some type of an alliance. Um, we know that Abraham was particularly successful because Abimelech says, God is with you in all that you do. So God is really making Abraham super successful here. And then you see them come to this agreement that they're going to be nice to each other. Verse 25, but Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the well of water which the servants of Abimelech had seized. Well, Abraham, he had huge flocks of animals. Water not only was a way for people to survive, everybody needs water, but also a way for animals to survive. And so you have to have these wells. And whenever you lose a well, you basically lose access to a particular area of land. And Abraham's complaining to Abimelech, hey, what's the deal? Your servants took this well. 
and now I don't have access to it. Bimlik says, hey, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And Abraham goes on to dig his own well and basically gives Abimelech all these, you know, these lambs in order to kind of remind everyone, hey, I dug this well. This is our well. And so it's obviously extremely important to have access to water, especially in Abraham's line of work. You also see Abraham getting a little bit more maybe confident, right? Instead of coming into these areas where there's other kings, right? Abimelech's kind of a king of the area. Instead of coming into these areas, having to lie to people about who your wife is, um, now he's actually, you know, seen so much success that he's basically on par with some of these kings, which is cool to see all the blessings that God has ultimately given Abimelech. I agree. And so, uh, like you said, Abimelech, it was clear that God was blessing Abraham, right? That there was a divine action going on here. And so, obviously, God is mighty and powerful, and um, his actions can be seen even by people who, who aren't following him. And so, we see, like you said, there was a, a treaty made. So, this was a blessing to Abraham to have this treaty covenant made uh, that kind of ensured like a peaceful dwelling. Um, you know, because when you are a nomad, it can be very dangerous outside of your land. And so then we see, like you mentioned last, about that this was a financial legal transaction that Abraham wanted to make here to ensure that, hey, I paid for this well, this one is mine. And therefore, since we made this treaty, you kind of have to back this up uh, with, with your authority. Um, yeah, that, that's what I see the purpose of, of that being. Cool. And to kind of wrap up, and Ab verse 34, and Abram so Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines for many days. So sounds like he had a long time in this particular area because of some of the because of his success through God's blessings and through this treaty that he makes with Abimelech, etc. Any final thoughts on this chapter, Justin? Yes, I think it's encouraging how even when we mess up, stumble, all this kind of stuff, like we can always come back to God and God always gives us an opportunity to move forward uh, in our faith in an exciting way, right? So we saw lots of chapters leading up to this where Abraham made bad decisions, right? I mean, almost like disappointing. We're like, man, you know, but now he's moving forward, right? I mean, and God is that kind of a, a gracious, merciful person that he allows us to come back uh, and even move forward. You know, after we've maybe we've take three steps back, God allows us to come back and then walk even further forward with him. And uh, that's awesome. That definitely I've done that in my life. And so I'm always grateful that God lets me, to, you know, get back on track even after I've screwed up. Yeah, this seems this does seem like a turning point in Abraham's life where he sees God move in his life and in this way. And I think going forward, you're going to see a more faithful Abraham compared to the previous Abraham that we knew before. Well, thank you, Justin, for those wise words. And um, thank you. Thank you for everybody joining 
really enjoyed learning with y'all today. Well, uh, Justin, hope you have a wonderful day. Did you get a haircut, by the way? No, I just haven't showered. I didn't just didn't, I didn't shower <laughs> yesterday. So whenever I don't shower, it looks shorter. Well, it looks really good. <sighs> All right. Well, peace out, everybody.